with the first pick in the NFL draft. Bryce Young is different. I think he's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. Watching CJ, it's like watching an ace pitcher. The throw by CJ Stroud. Anthony Richardson. What a play by the Florida quarterback. And Will Levis. Levis taking a shot downfield. Touchdown, Kentucky. Two most polarizing players in the draft. The top of the draft is going to be really interesting. And I think we'll see some of it play out here. The NFL Draft will be here before we know it. Less than three weeks away as we welcome you into NFL Live on this Friday. We're waiting on Mina Kimes to get some technical issues figured out. She'll do that. we got Jeremy Fowler here, Herm Edwards, the coach, and our draft analyst Jordan Reed with you for the hour. Lots to get to draft-related, okay? And we'll get to that. But first, new on NFL Live, some news in Tennessee. Jeremy, what more can you tell us? Jeffrey Simmons, huge four-year deal, $94 million at the Tennessee Titans. He gets $66 million guaranteed. They've been working on this for a while. Simmons was hoping to get close to that Aaron Donald number, that $30-plus million per year. Tennessee was never really willing to do that, but they acknowledge this is a premier guy. So they chipped away at trying to get this done, and the guarantees are really what got it done. It's a four-year deal. He can still hit the market in his late 20s, maybe play Ooh. a couple dominant years for Tennessee, get a third contract. Huge for Tennessee to secure one of the top defensive players in the entire NFL. And uh, one thing as it relates to Donald, he is now the second on average highest uh, earning interior defensive lineman thanks to this deal. This afternoon, Simmons had the Titans fans a little worried, okay, at least for a few minutes. He tweeted, Titans Nation, thank you for the last four years. I'm so grateful for you guys. Titans fans are like, no. And then until six minutes later, he posted, uh, hey, but we're not done yet. LFG, we got so much work to do. Taking people on a little ride there. Congratulations to Jeffrey Simmons. Congratulations to the Titans on getting that deal done. We'll continue to keep an eye on what they do. But let's go on the draft. We're 20 days away from the NFL draft in Kansas City. Jordan Reed and Matt Miller have an article on ESPN.com that highlights each team's specific draft needs. So we're going to dive in here, starting with the Bears. Actually, we're starting with the Titans. As you see, the Titans right there. Top draft needs for them as they've, of course, solidified Jer Jeffrey Simmons. Interior O-line, wide receiver, tight end, cornerback, edge rusher. So we begin with Herm Edwards here for a little bit more. What do you see, Herm, as the biggest need there that the Titans should be dealing with? Well, they just signed their defensive tackle, and he's an interior player on the defense. They need some offensive linemen. I think anytime you build a foundation in your football team, it's always built up front. Any good team is built inside. They need some offensive linemen to help them uh, study this offense, protect the quarterback, but also get the run game going. You know, this team is built on running the football and the play-action pass. You've got to have some offensive linemen to do that, some guys that can not only double team, but also can pass block in certain situations. So offensive line is a key factor for the Titans to build and continue to build their football team. Yeah, interesting to see what they end up doing long term at quarterback, but O-line always helps there. Jordan, who should the Titans be looking to take with that 11th pick to help out their O-line to Herm's point? Yeah, I'm with Herm here. I think they need offensive line. How about Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern? I think he would be an outstanding fit here at number 11 overall with the Tennessee Titans. He actually came to Northwestern as a center. Then they kicked him outside the offensive tackle after that. He took over for Rashawn Slater. We saw what Slater was able to do when he was healthy with the Chargers over the past two seasons. He can bring any type of versatility to the table. That's exactly what the Titans need. They have a hole at left guard right now. So there's so many different positions that they need. They bring over Andre Dillard over from 
from the Philadelphia Eagles, was a former first-round selection. You bring in Peter Skaronski, allow him to play at that guard spot, you eventually could groom him as a left tackle or a right tackle of the future, depending on what they want at the position on the interior or on the outside. Yeah, just to further the points you guys are making on O-line, last season the Titans ranked 26th in pass block win rate. That means they sustain their blocks for two and a half seconds, just 54% of the time. Not real good. All right, let's go to draft needs for the Chicago Bears as we continue our theme here today to start off the show. As you can see, the Bears' top draft needs, well, they need a lot, okay? Offensive tackle, defensive tackle, edge rusher, interior O-line, and cornerback. So, Herm, we start with you again. Which of those needs do you think is the most pressing for Chicago? I said it earlier. <laughs> Offensive line. Ah, I'm repeating I myself. Yeah, you do. And you think of Chicago Bears. Obviously, Justin Fields is an outstanding player, a mobile quarterback. But I'll give you this number. They were 32nd in pass offense. They can't protect the quarterback. He got sacked 41 times, and he wasn't an athlete. It could have been at least 65 times. So they've got to build an offensive line around this quarterback because I think this guy could be special. Uh, but it always is built up front. And you think about Chicago Bears, they, they are always built up front on defense and offense. They need some linemen. Yeah, of course, when you think about them trading that number one overall pick away, they did that knowing they're going to build around Justin Fields. And now you got to do it, right? So, Jordan, who should the Bears target now with that number nine pick to address the issue? Well, Coach, once again, going back to the offensive line, needing offensive linemen is like needing tires on your car. When they go bad, they go bad, and you don't notice them until they go bad. So how about Broderick Jones of Georgia right here? The big question with the Bears is that, yes, they need an offensive tackle, but Braxton Jones a year ago, who was a fifth-round selection last year at left tackle, he played some really good snaps for them. Broderick Jones of Georgia, 19 career starts during his time with the Bulldogs there, but he's only played left tackle. So the dilemma that general manager Ryan Poles is going to face if he takes if he takes Braxton Jones here, uh, Broderick Jones, excuse me, at the left tackle spot is which one do you play at left tackle? Do you kick the other Jones over back over to the right side or do you put Braxton Jones at that other tackle spot? So that is a big dilemma that they have with the number nine overall pick. I'm really trying to resist the urge to do a keeping up with the Joneses, but if that happens, I think that's going to have to be part <laughs> of the conversation there in Chicago. It's okay to laugh, guys, okay? That was a funny joke. Let's go to New York, where <laughs> Jordan has the Giants needing cornerback, interior offensive lineman, wide receiver, defensive tackle, and running back. And by the way, again, you can check out this article on ESPN.com. Herm, we start with you. What position group do you think needs the most help for the Giants? Well, this is a passing league. We say you got to run to win, but to score points, you got to pass. And to, when you're going to pass the football, you need cornerbacks. If you think about the Giants, they need some corners. They need some guys that can shut some people down. They play in a division with the Philadelphia Eagles that have a high-powered offense. How do you stop that offense? You got to be able to cover the wide receivers in the National Football League. So they're in dire need for some cover corners. They've got to get that fixed. And if they can get that fixed, uh, that allows them to take the ball away. This team only took the ball away. I'm going to say it. I hate to say this number. They had six interceptions as a team. That's not good. Ooh, yeah, that's pretty low. Uh, listen, Jordan, you know, this is not a DB class that has the star power necessarily that last year's class had, but there are some players that I think are going to surprise some people. Who do you think will still be around at pick 25 to help out New York's cornerback room? 
Yeah, just piggybacking off of Herm's point, six interceptions a year ago, only one courtesy of cornerbacks. So they need a cornerback at this 25th overall selection. How about Deontay Banks of Maryland? I like everything that he brings to the table. And when I'm building a cornerback in a lab that is perfect or tailor-made for defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, Deontay Banks is the first one that comes to mind. A physical press man corner. He can come down and run support. He can be a bully at the line of scrimmage against wide receivers, but also he needs to get a little bit better with finding the ball in the air. I think that's an area where he eventually could help the Giants out in the long run. But Deontay Banks will be a perfect fit for Wink Martindale's scheme with the New York Giants. Again, just 20 days away from the NFL draft, we continue our theme here to start NFL Live with needs of teams, especially some of those that have some early picks. Let's get to Las Vegas, where Jordan has their top needs as defensive tackle, cornerback, interior offensive lineman, tight end, and offensive tackle. Mina Kimes joining us now. We think we got the technical issues worked out. So, Mina, where do you think yeah. the Raiders <laughs> need to improve the most? Hi, happy Friday. Hey. Yeah, we started with two teams that need offensive line help. We're going to end with two teams that need cornerback help because that's the position that I think the Raiders should focus on. This is the defense that allowed the second highest QBR in football last year. They have one of the better pass rushers in the NFL in Max Crosby. But when that pass rush didn't get home, they really struggled to cover. It's been an area that they have struggled to address in the draft in recent years. And what I like about picking at seven is this is a very good cornerback class, but I think there's two cornerbacks, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, who are the cream of the crop, and they should, depending on what the Lions do, have their pick of them at pick number seven. All right, Jordan, you're just telling us about Deontay Banks, but who could make an impact in Vegas with the seventh pick much higher at the cornerback spot? Yeah, the Raiders need a lot of long-term building blocks on their defense. They only have one right now that immediately comes to mind, and that's defensive end Max Crosby. How about adding Devin Witherspoon of Illinois on the outside, a player that is just a shutdown corner, everything that you want in the position, 5'11", 185 pounds. He's everything that you want from a physicality standpoint. He can hold up on the perimeter and run support. He has that alpha mentality like we see from some of these upper echelon cornerbacks in the league. He brings to mind Jair Alexander when I think of a player comparison. We saw what Alexander has been able to do for the Packers secondary and just the attitude that he brings. I think Witherspoon could have a similar type of effect for the Raiders. I like it. And listen, this wasn't necessarily on your list of needs, but they do have been doing some of their homework on the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Obviously, they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jeremy, the Raiders have been looking around a little bit. What is the thought there? What more can you tell us? Yeah, they're digging deep on quarterbacks. As we speak today, Anthony Richardson yeah. is in their building. They're going to have a nice sensible meal together. He's going to meet mm. with brass. They're going to break down film. Sensible meal in <laughs> Vegas? What are you talking oh, yeah. about? Anyway, Talk go tomorrow, ahead. They're, they're going to go through the whole process. They are meeting with all the top guys. C.J. Stroud is on the agenda next week. And so the Raiders believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a classic bridge quarterback they can win games with but he's not the long-term solution. So they do want to find that. But as a source pointed out to me, Raiders got a lot of needs, and Jordan Reed alluded to it. So a cornerback out of Illinois, Witherspoon could be an option. They'll probably go defense if it's not a guy like Richardson. But I don't get the sense right now that they're clamoring to move up. They could play it cool here, yeah. see what happens at 7. You know, we'll get to this a little bit more later in the show, but I'd be shocked at this point if Anthony Richardson's still there at 7 and feels yeah. like they don't have the appetite, Mina, necessarily to be trading up. But should the Raiders be targeting a quarterback in the first round, considering where their roster is? 
Yeah, the Raiders are in a tricky place because to actually compete, not just in the conference, but in their own division, the AFC West, to vie with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, you need two things, an elite quarterback and a very good pass defense. And the Raiders have neither right now. Those are both needs on this team. Um, I could see them, and I could actually see the case for going quarterback if they truly love Anthony Richardson, though I'm with you, Laura. I think they might have to move up for it, which sounds like they're unwilling to do. But if not, if they want to wait another year, stick with Garoppolo, sit out the quarterback market this year, I do think there's a good opportunity to just hold on to their draft capital and work on fixing a defense that has been really the problem with this team for several years now. Yeah, I think they're in a really interesting situation, as Mina mentioned, just because what we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo during his time even in San Francisco is that he's a quarterback that you can win with. The big question is, can you win because of Jimmy Garoppolo? And even his own team, they tried to replace him when they drafted Trey Lance. So I can see the Raiders doing a similar thing, even though he's a Josh McDaniels disciple during their time in New England together. Why not take a home run swing like a Will Levis and bring him in the building? Hmm. You don't have to rush him on the field. You have Jimmy Garoppolo signed for three years. So you can neuter and you can teach Levis the lay of the land, everything that he needs to know within the offense. I think he's a fantastic fit in that quick passing game scheme that McDaniels like to run, likes to run. Levis is at his best when he can operate on primary reads where he can get the ball out really quickly, but also he has the mobility that Garoppolo doesn't offer. So I think he would be a really good fit in Vegas. Yeah, it's a good point. The fit of the scheme specifically there, I think, is probably more important than people give it credit for. And let's just say Jimmy G is the Jimmy G he has been, guys. A reminder that he's only played a full season just once in his career. He's finished three of the last five seasons on injured reserve. You almost, if you got a quarterback, you want somebody who you could kind of slot in potentially and get a lot of playing time early on. All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. A lot more coming your way. Are the Lions the new team to beat in the NFC North? Well, Herm is going to tell us what impressed him the most with the turnaround in Detroit. We'll get to that. Plus, we're getting you ready for all things draft-related as we hand out some superlatives, including the best of the best at the linebacker position this year. Also, Jeremy Fowler back with an update on Lamar and Aaron Rodgers. Don't miss it. More NFL Live on this Friday continues next. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. So glad to have you on NFL Live. Let's read and react. Starting with Cam Newton, who says he's willing to be a backup quarterback, but for a specific list of people. There's a narrative that's out there that says, you know, Cam 
does not want to be a backup. I never said I didn't want to be a backup. So I'm going to take this time to explain who and what situation I would want to be a backup to and for Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Tua Tonga-Baloa, Malik Willis, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson. Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Sam Howell. All right, no uh, confusion there, Herm. What do you think? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, where did he get that hat? <laughs> I like that hat, but uh, beside the hat, I, I think, you know, if you decide to bring in Cam Newton, you're bringing in a personality, uh, and there's, that personality has to calm down a little bit. You don't need to try to be a backup Cam. Just come in and be an athlete, be a quarterback, and don't worry about all the backup business and, 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 and taking all the oxygen out of the room, right? Yeah, Herm, I'd like to see you in a hat like that. Let's work on it. Uh, to Miami, where wide receiver Tyreek Hill already has his eyes set on the Dolphins' matchup with the Chiefs next season. When the Miami Dolphins come to Arrowhead Stadium this year, guess what we going to do? Guess what we going to do? I hate to say it, man. I hate to throw up the peace sign against y'all. I hate to do it. But guess what? I'm going to be y'all worst enemy that day. I'm going to be y'all worst enemy hey, that day. What, what? Oh, man. Okay, Hill's former chief teammate Chris Jones responded to the comments on Twitter writing, the only peace sign he's throwing up is walking to the bus after the game. Mina, do you think Hill is going to be able to take advantage of this Chiefs <laughs> defense? It's a while away. Uh... I do. I like that coming from Chris Jones. Obviously, they don't match up, but the Chiefs' best chance of stopping Tyree Kill probably starts with Chris Jones getting pressure up front. That said, um, I really like this young Chiefs secondary. From week 10 on, Laura, they actually allowed the fourth lowest QBR of deep passes on deep passes of any team in the NFL. That does not mean I think they can stop Tyree Kill. That is a very tall order. But I think they can do a better job containing him than I would have said at the beginning of last season. Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo noted their improvement as a young group. Let's go to Los Angeles, where Austin Eckler looking for a long-term deal, but the Chargers haven't budged. Kind of got punched in the face when the Chargers basically said, "Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about extensions anymore." It was like the first time in my career with them that I felt like kind of like you know, disrespected by my own organization, um, and it sucks. Like I want to be, I want to be a Charger, right? I want to be a Charger. I want to be there. And it sucks because it's like, okay, let's get something done. Yes, I do have one more year in my contract, absolutely. But, you know, for them to want to allow me to go and be a free agent next year after playing, and, you know, maybe we can get something done throughout the year. Who knows how it's going to play out. Jeremy, where does it stand? Well, Eckler's in a tough spot because the Chargers don't want to pay him, but they also really don't want to trade him. He's too valuable. He's got 38 touchdowns the last two seasons. But the mm. teams I'm talking to really don't believe that there's much of a market for him via trade leading up to the draft, largely because of the running back position has just been suppressed. Free agencies, those guys struggled a great deal. He's turning 28 in May, so it's just, it's a struggle, but he's got $6.25 million due to him this year. The best route right now might be to just play that out, hit free agency next year. It's like we all agree he should be paid more, but the market is dictating so much of that, to your point. Let's go to Detroit, where wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr. back with the Lions after two years in Jacksonville. And this time, there's a much different feel around the Lions organization. It's a new feel, for sure. And I think when I came here, 
um, the first thing everybody says is, hey, Marv, it's, it's different. You're going to love it. You know, the, the culture different. The coaches, everything is not the same. So um, I think that was definitely one of the reasons why, you know, it was definitely appealing for me to come back here. And, you know, why not? It's a team that's obviously, you know, had done some great things and can continue to do great things, you know, and, 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 make, and make a push. So um, that was definitely intriguing. What a turnaround under Dan Campbell, who you see intense on the screen there. Detroit started the season one and six with a negative turnover margin, but from week nine on, they were one of the league's best teams, ranking top five in points scored and turnover margin. They also had the fourth best record in the league over that span, trailing only the 49ers, Bengals, and Chiefs. So, Herm, what impressed you most about the way that the Lions were able to turn it around last season? Well, the mindset of, of, of Dan Campbell, but obviously uh, his coaches as well. You know, you can say about the head coach, but really it's the people that work with you, and it's the coordinators, Aaron Glenn and, and, and those guys on the defensive side and on the offensive side as well. And when you change a culture, uh, you kind of stamp it when a former player that had left comes back and realizes this culture has changed. And it's a tough culture. It's an environment of we're going to play hard. You know, this is Dan Campbell when he took the job said we're going to bite the kneecaps off people, right? And uh, this team is a tough football team. Uh, they're ascending the right direction. Remember, in their division, they had the best division record. Not overall record, but they were actually 5-1 and one in the division. So they're very competitive in their division. That's the first thing you want to do when you build a culture. You want to be able to beat the teams in your division. They're able to do that. They're an ascending football team and a tough football team. Yeah, what do you bite off after kneecaps? I don't know. Uh, Mina, it's a really <laughs> important draft for Detroit, okay? They can do a lot in this one. Two first-round picks. Yeah. Where do they need to improve to build off their momentum at the end of last season? I think it's all about the defense, and I think all three levels of the defense can improve. Now, I will say this is a unit that dramatically improved over the course of the season. Um, the full season stats don't really capture how much better they were at the end of the year, even though they still finish as one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, but I do think that you know the offense is pretty much set, whereas from back to front, this defense uh, has to improve. They did make a bunch of additions in free agency to the secondary, signing Cam Sutton, cornerback from the Steelers, Emmanuel Mosley from the Niners, of course, C.J. Gardner-Johnson from Philadelphia. But two of those three players are on one-year deals, and picking where they are at six, they will have their choice of the top cornerbacks if they want to go there. Hmm. I also think front seven, you take Aiden Hutchinson last year, he played great. You have unheralded contributors coming out of the woodwork still can get better in that front seven so that this defense can match what the offense showed us last season. Yeah, and I'm right with Mina. I think they need to continue to add to this defensive line. There's so many different things as far as taking on the personality of this head coach. Everybody laughed at Dan Campbell when he said, come in, biting off kneecaps, but this team has taken on his personality. General manager Brad Holmes has done a terrific job of bringing in talent on this roster too. Two players that come to mind that they could add at number six overall. This could be a landing spot for Jalen Carter, defensive tackle of Georgia. Also Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. So there's so many different ways that they could go, but I'm all in on this roster. Restore the roar. I really like what they're building in Detroit, and this is an ascending team. Yeah, the Lions are currently the favorites to win the NFC North this season. Lenny's barking. I know that's you, Mina, okay? We got Jordan's delay that's like longer than five seconds. It's a typical Friday here on NFL Live, and you just never know what's coming next, okay? Keep it going, Lenny. Come on. Come on. We'll get him on screen next.
Hey, next, is drafting a linebacker in the first round a risk teams should take in this year's draft? Well, Mina tells us one linebacker in this class who's actually worth that risk. Find out next. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This class of quarterbacks, they each were born to take this stage. Only question is, which team believes enough to take them? The NFL Draft begins April 27th. ESPN and ABC. Wow, we can't wait for that. Okay, 20 days away from the NFL draft. We're back here on NFL Live. And look at that. Linebacker superlatives. We got the music. We got the curtains. We've talked a bunch about the edge rushers in this class. Let's spend some time on the middle of the field. Let's let these uh, linebackers shine a little bit. Jordan Reed, our draft analyst here with us. Who of the linebacker group is the best pass rusher? Oh, this is an easy one for me. It's Arkansas linebacker Drew Sanders. And he originally started his career at Alabama, but wanted to play more of a bigger role. He transfers within the SEC, takes advantage of the transport portal, and he shined during his only season with the Razorbacks. Nine and a half sacks during his first year there. He did everything for them. He can rush off of the edge, but also he's very consistent as an off-ball linebacker too. All right, let's get to who is the most versatile inside linebacker of this group. Trent Simpson of Clemson, he's played everything outside of defensive line during his time at Clemson. He's played inside linebacker, he's played outside linebacker, he's even played some safety. And that's the big thing for him on the next level. You have to have a plan for him just because he's such a versatile player. You have to allow him to master one area before you expand the playbook for him. But he could be a key piece for a defense on the next level. All right, now let's go to which inside linebacker is actually the best tackler of this group. Who are you going with, Jordan? A player that's really trending upward and is Jack Campbell of Iowa. Six foot five, 250 pounds. He can step downhill and tackle with the best of them. He's a true traditional old school linebacker, but he's very underrated in pass coverage too. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going inside of the top 40 picks and he's a player that's trending upward. Campbell is a name to watch on draft day. So here's the thing. I love these linebackers and a couple of them that you mentioned. I know well, I think they're going to be great at the next level. But Jordan, as you know, selecting an off-ball linebacker in the first round has been a risky proposition in recent years, okay? Over the last 10 drafts, 
There have been 16 inside linebackers selected in the first round. Of those 16, only five went on to earn a Pro Bowl selection. Only one of them earned a first-team All-Pro selection. That's Micah Parsons, also known as a unicorn. He has transitioned since to being a primary mm -hmm. edge rusher in the NFL. So some of his versatility contributed to his success. Our own draft analyst, Matt Miller, commented on the risk of taking a linebacker early in the draft, tweeting, for all the don't draft a running back in the first round talk, not drafting a linebacker might be the better conversation. So, Matt, we hope you're tuned in because we're going to have the conversation right now. <laughs> Nina, what do you think about those comments? Yeah, I, I think it's a good point um, for a number of reasons. First, Laura, part of the benefit of drafting a rookie in the first round is you can save a lot of money. Let's say you get a star rookie wide receiver versus a star veteran wide receiver, their contract is so much bigger. That salary gap, similar to the running back position, is just smaller at linebackers due to linebacker salaries not climbing at that rate. So you don't have that advantage. And then the other thing that I think is at play here and can explain some of the lack of success of these first round picks earlier in their career is it is just really damn hard to play linebacker in the <laughs> NFL right yeah. now um, due to the nature of offense. Increasingly, the increased focus on play action, the RPO game in the NFL, which is different from the college RPO game, and then brilliant offensive coordinators using personnel groupings to create mismatches. Basically, everything they do is to ensure that you, the off-ball linebacker, are wrong. Hmm. So, of course, when you come into the league, there's an adjustment period. And while we've seen some guys overcome that, Roquan Smith comes to mind. He's become one of the better uh, off-ball linebackers in the NFL. Not everybody does because it is very challenging. Yeah, a lot of great points made there by Mina. But the one point that I want to point out is that I think some teams fall in love so much with versatility that they don't really focus on some of the things that you really need at linebacker. And we, we gloss over having versatility, which is a great thing to have. But sometimes it could be a bad thing. And we can blame the Arizona Cardinals for this, taking guys like Isaiah Simmons and then some of yeah. the other Hassan Reddick, who's turned out to be a really good player, and even Zayvon Collins in a sense. They've really failed to master some of the things that we like to see at the linebacker position, but the one thing that you have to have in order to be successful as an off-ball linebacker is instincts. If you do not have those instincts, it's going to be really hard for you to be able to succeed on the NFL level, but it's great to have that versatility, but if you're a master of so many other areas and really not figuring out some of those other areas that you need to bring to the, the, the uh, forefront, I should say, you really have to figure out exactly what you're doing with those instincts. If you have those, being able to key read, diagnose, and step downhill, be really good in run defense as well as pass coverage, that's some of the areas that you're going to need as an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, I hear you guys with how complicated it is to play this position, especially as a rookie. But, Mina, is there a linebacker in this year's class that you'd feel comfortable taking in the first round? Well, my linebacker one, uh, it depends on the team, of course, would be a guy that Jordan mentioned. That's uh, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. For a few reasons, I think he has shown that speed to go sideline to sideline, that power to get off of his blocks in the run game. And then, as Jordan highlighted, he is a very good pass rusher. Look, I'm not saying he's Micah Parsons and he's going to come in and take quarterbacks by storm. But you see that he has that flexibility, that bend, the ability to turn speed to power that I think the right team can use him situa situationally as an edge rusher 
as he learns how to play the linebacker position as well in the NFL. Yeah, Drew Sanders meeting with a lot of teams. One of the teams he met with very recently was the Detroit Lions, and he was talking about his time with Dan Campbell, which it's funny to think about those two in a room together just talking ball. He said they didn't get into much personal <laughs> stuff because they were just talking X's and O's, which really makes you think, all right, so they're trying to find out the Lions are. Could this guy immediately contribute for us? We'll keep an eye on that. Time for some more top storylines with Jeremy Fowler. Let's start with Jeffrey Simmons, the news of today. What more can you tell us? Let's do it. Simmons and the Tennessee Titans agreed to a four-year, $94 million deal. This had been in the works, I'm told, for really a few months. Simmons was hoping to get closer to that $30 million Aaron Donald-type threshold, but the concession was, even though he's not there, he gets huge guarantees, $66 million. That works for the player and the team. Everybody's happy. Other defensive tackles are very happy, too. Baltimore <laughs> Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Look, the Ravens are now in full contingency mode at the quarterback position. They're looking at players in the draft. In free agency, they worked on trying to get Baker Mayfield fell through, Jacoby Brissett. They don't know whether Lamar is going to play for them or if he's going to sign the franchise tag at this point. Relationship tenuous at best right now. Mm. And then Aaron Rodgers is not a show unless we talk about Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> I checked with a source who said, look, there's still a lot of things in place that you could classify this as close to being done. It's just not there yet. There are some concessions in play that sides want. The Packers have been pretty dug in on what they want. It's believed that protections for future draft picks based on how long Rodgers plays for the Jets is a consideration. Rodgers agent David Dunn was in Phoenix for the owners meetings last week to try to sort of mediate things. So mm -hmm. they're chipping away at this, but right now nothing imminent and maybe it gets done closer to the draft. Let the record show it's a real show because we did do a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. We checked that off. Okay, coming up next on NFL Live, let's talk to Colts. Their new head coach, Shane Steichen, said they're on the hunt for a QB with accuracy. We'll tell you exactly which player they should take, assuming he's still available at four. That's next. We'll be right back. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. You got me singing again. Don't let this Big plays galore. Do you believe in miracles? I love the XFL. Welcome to week seven. Let's see if you're ready to go. Win on three. One, two, three. Clear. What a catch. Josh Gordon. Do not let me get hot. Ben DiNucci. I mean, this guy can do it all. I really might be faster than all you guys, too. I might be. I'm just saying, I might be. Brown with the return. One man to be. He's gone. Oh, He's 96 gone. yards <laughs> to the house. Yeah. Where's the cape? Are you kidding me? Let the Vipers up. Let's keep proving, let's keep showing it. Make a decision on what you want. Let them know who the team is that they need to beat. Oh, it's good! The longest field goal in the XFL. Into the end zone. Over the shoulder catch. Come on, we gotta celebrate. Let's score a lot of points on these guys. Let's score a lot of points. They've scored a lot of points. They've also given up a lot of points. And we've got a ball game. Zone. We got towed down. No way! What a catch! Back and forth we go. Touchdown! No good! The Guardians shot the defenders. What a game in the XFL! Another fabulous week in the XFL in week eight. Has doubleheaders tomorrow and Sunday. The Vipers squaring off against the Battlehawks. Then the Renegades take on the Guardians. Coverage begins at 1 Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. And Sunday afternoon, it's the Brahmas and Roughnecks at 3 on ABC, followed by the Defenders and Sea Dragons on ESPN2. Every game also available on ESPN+. Plus. 
Hey, Odell Beckham Jr., still a free agent looking for a home. Adam Schefter reported earlier this week that the Ravens have been in contact with the star wide receiver, but he still remains unsigned. So, Jeremy Feller, what more can you tell us about Odell Beckham Jr.'s situation? Well, Laura, multiple teams remain involved. We know the Ravens via Adam Schefter. We know the New York Jets. They've had mutual interest between team and player, but the teams I'm talking to that are monitoring the wide receiver market haven't stepped out that far to give Odell the kind of contract he wants. They believe the asking price is probably too high. Teams I've talked to believe that his contract will maybe be a one-year deal somewhere below $10 million, but with incentives to get him above $10 million. So that's the sweet spot that maybe the team and player can find. As you can see on the screen there, Rich Samini, our reporter for the Jets, OBJ, thought to be seeking a one-year deal worth about $15 million. But Herm, what destination do you think makes the most sense for Odell? Well, he plays his best when he's under uh, bright lights, right? His first time in New York, he was on bright lights. Uh, then he ended up with the Rams in bright lights. Uh, I can see him back with the Jets. <laughs> he understands the, uh, the media attention he would get in New York. Uh, he understands he'd be playing with a veteran quarterback. And, you know, he wants that. Odell's a smart guy. He's a businessman. He understands if I'm going to be successful, I need two things. I need a quarterback that has experience, and I need a team that needs me. And the Jets' offense need weapons like Odell Beckham. This would be a good fit for him. Yeah, the problem with that is just the waiting game based around Aaron Rodgers, right? And so until then, you wonder which teams <laughs> might have to fill some of those needs. The draft's still an inflection point that I think all of us are watching. And speaking of, the Colts are rumored to be in the quarterback mix with their number four pick in the upcoming draft. Their new head coach, Shane Steichen, recently appeared on the New Heights podcast presented by Wave Sports and Entertainment to talk about what matters most to him when evaluating these young QBs. I mean, accuracy is huge to me. Yeah. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I think you got to be able to throw it accurately, right, on time, anticipate with rhythm, right? And, and, and that comes from repetition, too, you know what I mean? But you can see it on tape. Like, I think that the guys that have a great feel for the game, yeah. right, you coach boom, 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 but the guys that have a natural feel to like, oh, my gosh, boom. Boom, I threw it there. When that starts going, it's like, oh, yeah. He's got a good there's, feel. There's something special there. Isn't that what we all want in our quarterbacks? Uh, Nina, after hearing that from Steichen, <laughs> which quarterback makes the most sense for the Colts, knowing that they're at four and who might be left over at that point? Yeah, I think um, that's going to really influence uh, who the Colts take, simply who's available. In fact, it's possible they might have to jump up from four to three if another mm. team tries to trade with Arizona. Um, you know, assuming C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young aren't the options there, we'll see how that plays out. I still think Anthony Richardson makes a ton of sense for this team. You heard Shane Steichen talking about accuracy, and he's absolutely right. And, Sh and Anthony Richardson's accuracy in college was up and down. But something that Shane Steichen also knows from being in Philadelphia is accuracy can improve. He saw that with Jalen Hurts. I believe uh, Anthony Richardson's accuracy can improve, and along the way, he has plenty of tools to give him a floor in the NFL. So I still really like that fit with Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm right there with Mina. This is a marriage that I would love to see just because when you're talking about a mobile quarterback, he raises your floor coming through the door just because with Anthony, yeah. I think he would be up there uh, with Justin Fields as far as being one of the top five runners in the NFL immediately. But with Anthony, I think raw and project are the wrong words to use for him. He's just inexperienced. Since 2000, only two other quarterbacks have started 13 games or less and been first round picks. That's Mark Sanchez and Mitchell Trubisky. So that's just putting it into perspective the type of player that we're dealing with here with Anthony Richardson. 
But with Shane Steichen, we saw what he did with Jalen Hurts during the course of his career and even into last season. I think he could do the same thing with Anthony Richardson. It's worth remembering, too, that Gardner Minshew is in that quarterback room. So if they did get Anthony Richardson, even Will Levis to an extent, they needed to buy some time for that player to get ready. You've got a guy who's been proven as a backup or a starter at the next level. I think that could give them at least some comfort as they wait and see yeah. who could get comfortable in the fold. we got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live. Okay, when we come back, let's dive into the Cowboys. They've already added some pieces this offseason, but which draft prospect can complete the puzzle? Nina tells us which positions Dallas should go after. Is it weapons? Who is it? We'll be right back on NFL Live. Don't go anywhere. We're back on NFL Live. Hey, the Cowboys need to add some more weapons, no doubt. And they did that at least a little bit, right? They added Brandon Cooks, who you see on the screen at wide receiver, speedy weapon, sure to be put to good use. Here's more from Cooks himself on becoming a Cowboy. CD, you talk about a guy who's been electric, you know, since the moment that he stepped into this league. But you look at last year, what he did um, to really just go into that, that mode of a true number one receiver. receiver. Like, uh, I got a lot of respect for his game from afar, and, like, I hit him up, like, look, I'm coming to just help. Like, there's no ego. Love to hear it. And one big area Brandon Cooks will look to help the Cowboys be in stretching the field. Last season, Dallas recorded just four receptions, 30-plus yards downfield, tied for the fifth fewest of any team. And Cooks by himself recorded four such receptions, and he did so despite being limited to 13 games. Herm, what changes are you hoping to see with the Cowboys next season so they can make a deeper run? Well, if you know Mike McCartney, which I do, he worked for me. Um, he's going to run the football. Uh, his whole offense will be set up on play action pass, but he's going to run the football inside the tackles. He wants to be tough. He wants to be physical. He talked about playing complimentary football. What is complimentary football? Run the ball. Take time off the clock, protect your defense because they have an outstanding defense. That allows the run game, allows a play action pass. That makes your quarterback better. Cut down some of those interceptions, 15 interceptions. That's way too many. And remember, Dak missed three games. So they're going to be a physical football team. That's Mike's DNA. That's what he wants to do. It'll be interesting to watch it unfold. Yeah, when you think about that uh, and adding offensive firepower, you know, a lot of the mock drafts lately have the tight end Michael Mayer going to the Cowboys. Jordan, what do you think they should be doing in the draft, especially early on with some of those picks they have? Yeah, you lose such a dynamic player in Dalton Schultz, who was a key piece to that uh, Mike McCarthy offense and even Kellen Moore uh, when he was the offensive coordinator there. You have to replace that wide receiver, too, in the offense, and they were hoping Michael Gallup could be that, but he's still recovering. He seemed a little bit st a step slow last season. We'll see if he plays better next year. But somebody like Dalton Kincaid of Utah, I think he would be a really good player in that offense. Darnell Washington of Georgia could be another, another option. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is a popular player in mock drafts as well. So there's so much production that they have to replace at that top tight end spot. But I would like to see them get a dynamic player. I think Kincaid definitely could be available to them at the back end of the first round. He could be a really good fit in that McCarthy offense. Yeah, you see some of the team needs there on your screen, meaning you're shaking your head. In addition to tight end, what else should the Cowboys be oh. looking to address in the draft? No, that was a ooh, thinking about Dalton Kincaid in this offense. Because <laughs> I love shake. He's basically like a big, he's a wide receiver, really, <laughs> at tight end. But that, I, that would be amazing for them. Um, 
Beyond tight end, which I, I agree with Jordan there, I think two things that come to mind. I actually think the interior of that defensive line still needs to be shored up. It's one of the better defenses in football last year, but you could run the ball on them, especially up the gut. Um, and I think if there's a, a strong player there who can also help the pass rush on the inside, that would be attractive. And then the other position is running back. You know, they did fran uh, franchise tag Tony Pollard on that one-year deal, but that's still a position you want to get younger at. You want a bell cow back, a guy who can run between the tackles. And I'll tell you right now, I know we, we talk about running backs and their, whether they should be taken in the first round. If B. John Robinson is there at 26, Jerry Jones is running to the podium. Like, he is not getting past 26 and staying in Texas. So that is a, a name to watch for Dallas if he falls there. I love it, and it would be a great pick. And there's also the Texas tie, to your point, Mina. It's time for one more thing before we go. Guys, Chiefs star tight end Travis Kelsey threw out the first pitch for the Cleveland Guardians this afternoon, and boom. Uh, he should not quit his day job. Oh. Anyway, that mascot for the Guardians is named Slider. That was not a slider. I don't know what that was. Look, look at Patrick Mahomes. He's like, hey, bro. <laughs> Mina, you thrown out a first pitch. It went way better than that. We both have, and today I learned we both have better arms than Travis Kelsey, who should not be the Chiefs' emergency quarterback. Let me just say We're that. We're gonna wind it up. Poor guy. <laughs> never get on. Enjoy never get on the mount. Get in front of the mount when you throw.